0: Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Canadian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I am a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and a devoted alcohol recovery coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Welcome to the Shine Within podcast. This is your host, Gina Canadian. I have a very special guest today. Her name is Celeste Fernandez and she is a life coach who specializes in insight guidance and grief recovery. She is devoted to breaking through social disruptions, opening the doors to more opportunities and bringing inner peace to her clients. Thank you so much, Celeste, for coming on today. So nice to see you.
1: So great seeing you, hi.
0: Nice. So, how are you doing today? How was your day?
1: You know, it was a it was a really busy day. I I had quite a few meetings, and I realized I needed to slow down quite a bit.
0: To slow down a little bit, yeah. yeah. I totally get, it, especially in this world that we live in right now. Everything's like so chaotic, and we're just like all fast paced, and we just cannot like stop for a moment to breathe, right?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I'm so excited that you're here because I really wanted to discover you and what you do because i think we all need coaches in our in our lives um some people go to therapists and it works and some people are like you know what i do not want to see a therapist it's just like a waste of time and they don't really get along with the therapist or they're just like feeling that they're not even listening or paying attention to them and so it's important Mm -hmm. for us to have like coaches as yourself and 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 myself too i guess right yeah (laughs) to go ahead and help people. With whatever struggles they're having, and what's nice is that they get to pick, they get to pick whoever they they know like and trust. So I want to know a little bit about your background and why you decided to become a life coach.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so you know, I come from a background of mixed uh, professional experiences, um, and so and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to tell you this whole story. Um, <laughs> I come from a background of, of nursing, which was something I originally did not want to do. Um, I was just not passionate about it. Um, and I realized, you know, I, I want to continue helping people. I decided to work in a corporate office, did not like the corporate politics. Um, and I just realized I was starting to, I was starting in the spiral, downward spiral of losing myself. I worked in retail. I've worked in the casino. I've worked in hospitality. I've done sales, moved across the country for a job. And I realized that wasn't for me. I've worked in construction and, um, and I realized, you know, I needed to find something that I could find happiness and passion in and, you know, after 12 years, I finally said I needed to work with someone. And in my past, I've also worked with about three different therapists. But, you know, therapists are great. Um, they they focus on your past and the whys, like the reason behind your behavior, whereas um, a coach focuses on your future and the how to get to your goal. And that's what I wanted. So I worked with an amazing career coach. Um, shout out to my career coach, Rebecca. Um, and within seven months, I realized, you know, I I wanted to continue helping people, and I love talking to people and, and guiding them to where they wanted to be in life. And that's where I am now, in a life coach.
0: That's so awesome, and it's such a reward when you see your clients actually just shining and succeeding and in everything they do because of how you inspired them and coached them and mentored them. And it's so important. Now, do you find, now there's a specific niche I should say that you have as a grieving coach, right? Yes. Yes. Can you tell me what, I mean, yeah. let me just tell you first off and foremost, thank you for taking the time to actually sit down with these people who are grieving because a lot of people during this time are losing a lot of loved ones. And as myself, you know, my uncles passed away, um, a whole bunch of my mom's side of the family passed away, and it was all like at once. And so we never even heard of like a grieving um, a coach before. I mean, I've, I guess a grieving counselor, you know, at school or something, but not like a coach. Can you tell me what inspired you to become or niche down to become a grieving coach as well?
1: Yeah, so... Um, I was actually I was actually attracted to the grief recovery method once I heard about uh, the Grief Recovery Institute and what was interesting was the way that it that they had explained what grief is, and yes, grief is the normal and natural uh, reaction to loss. But, what we forget it is is it's also the conflicting feelings caused at the end of or any change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So, you know, grief can be felt when um yes, when you lose a person in your life, uh, when you lose a pet, but it can be anything and anywhere between losing a job, starting a new job, moving locations such as what I did, losing trust in a person, those are all different forms of grief. And the way that we handle grief, I realize the way that we're taught is, is so unhealthy. We're usually taught, you know, it takes time to heal. Um, it's all going to be okay. Or, you know, there's no need to cry. You're so strong. Those are ways that uh, we were taught to grieve, and I realized it just wasn't healthy. Um, so when I went through the grief recovery method, I realized that, one, I had an eating disorder, uh, two, I was uh, disrupting my sleeping patterns, and three, I was dependent on substances that was helping me cope with grief, and I didn't need to, I didn't need to go through all of that. Uh, Once I found peace.
0: Yes, you know, we see that a lot of people tend to go towards uh, substances like alcohol and drugs to numb their pain and even their prescription medications. If they're taking like any type of sleep aids or anything like that, if anyone abuses that, then it's going to be problematic. And they're just going to be dependent on that just to go ahead and numb themselves from the pain they're feeling. And you're absolutely right about people saying, oh, it's okay. you're strong. You don't need to cry. I think it's very important that we actually take the time to grieve and cry, whether if it's a loss of somebody or if we're changing jobs or if a a boyfriend or, you know, broke up with us or, you know, those are all grieving processes and like pets as well. And so it's a beautiful thing that you do helping these people. Now, what would you suggest would be the best form of, relief, I should say, when one person grieves on their own, how, I know it probably varies amongst everybody, but what is something that you would say or suggest to your clients how to grieve?
1: So first, like one of the biggest things I, I always suggest is first putting words to to your emotions. You know, grief is such a complicated emotion because it's not just one emotion. It's a layer of, multiple of uh, multiple emotions. So while you're grieving, one, you might feel relief because you know uh, something has finally happened that you've been expecting to happen. Um, and you might also feel anger because you might not have expressed um, all the communication you wanted to to let out. and uh, you might also feel uh, betrayal because you know you felt like you could have you could have done something more. And you weren't given the opportunity to. Um, and these are just examples. So one, I usually say, um, give words to what you're feeling. And then two, when you're ready, um, give action. Or, you know, you can't, you can't really make any changes without action. It's, it's the same in, in any type of coaching. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, would, I would definitely do that. Insane.
0: Any type of coaching. Yeah, you know, do action work too. <laughs> yes, but putting the words there, you know, and then expressing them and it's okay to cry. Like, you know, I, I noticed for myself, I blocked so much emotion whenever I was in pain, I would just be like, No, I'm not hurting. Like, I felt like I needed to be like the strong person, quote, unquote, and just be like, Oh, I'm not hurting. I'm fine. But then eventually, you just break down and you lose it. Right? Is that is that common?
1: Yes, it is. It is very common. And, you know, usually what I've noticed is when people do grieve um, and they're not doing it in a healthy way, they tend to throw themselves into their work. So they become quote unquote workaholics or they throw their their selves into their food, whether they start eating more or in my case, they stop eating Um, or, you know, for example, they replace that loss. So for example. It's very common for when a child loses a pet, their parents replaces that loss with another pet. And those are just um, not very healthy ways of dealing with grief.
0: Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. We tend to replace it with something else. And I want to talk a little bit about what happened to you when you felt like you were in a grieving process. You said you had um, stopped eating. Yes. Can can you uh share with us I know I would probably be eating. <laughs> For me, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's an emotional <laughs> eating, everybody's different of course, but yeah, can you share a little bit about that as well as like what you also mentioned before that you were um taking things to also numb your pain? Can you just uh tell the audience a little bit about what you've experienced, what you experienced and how you were to overcome that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um so it was really interesting. I I was actually diagnosed with um, an sorry with anorexia nervosa. Anorexia nervosa. Sorry, um, and I realized I was I thought I I was only eating during the times I was hungry. So that meant I was only eating once every three to five days, one meal every three to five days, um, and I thought that was just normal. And I. I realized I was limiting my my eating habits because I felt like my life was completely out of control and the only thing that I felt like I could control was my eating habits and when I was eating. So for over for over two decades I yes, I had an eating disorder and I thought, well, I am during a time in my life, I looked at myself and I said, well, I'm in my mid twenties. I am not reaching a hundred pounds. I don't know if I have cancer. I don't know if there's something uh, physically wrong with me. So I would go to a doctor and they said, well, one, you're definitely underweight. Uh, two, um, I can see that you are clinically depressed. Uh, three, you also have anxiety disorder. And four, I noticed that you're definitely not sleeping, Um, so I'm going to prescribe you uh, medical marijuana. So for quite a while, I I was very dependent on medical marijuana. It was the only thing that could get me to eat, only thing that could get me to sleep. It would numb all the anxiety that I had, numb all the depressive emotions that I had, but it wasn't fixing the problem. Um, And it wasn't until maybe a decade, a little over a decade later, when I finally went through the, the action work myself that I realized, man, I was just completely unhealthy. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just all of these things. It wasn't just depression. It wasn't just um, my anorexia nervosa. It wasn't just, you know, my lack of sleeping it was my grief that was causing everything. It was my, it was because I wasn't letting go of of the things that uh, I was holding inside, um, that I that I could finally say, okay, fine, I can I can actually eat. I can finally stop smoking. I can finally stop relying on on different medications. I can finally, you know, live a normal life.
0: Wow. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. That. That shows a lot of vulnerability, so thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to be put on, like, you know, here you have then you know anorexia, then you have anxiety, depression, and then they prescribe you American marijuana, which, oh, this is the cure. And I'm noticing a lot of these doctors are just prescribing, 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 and I'm going to talk a little bit about my chiropractor so as <laughs> well. This is probably a little bit of a side note here. Because I was like, so telling the ch- my chiropractor, you know what, I appreciate you because you actually don't prescribe me any medication for my back pain. You actually get it, the job done by doing adjustments, stretching, massage, all that. And it's so sad that the world that we live in, it's like we're constantly giving like type of, you know, here's a, here's a pill for this. Here's, a, here's another pill for that. It's like, I don't want to take pills and I don't want to be on marijuana. I don't want anything. I, I feel like I feel like it's such a big problem in our
1: world, right? It's so sad. It is. It is. It is. And what's interesting too is, you know, as as um, as a grief recovery method specialist, we actually work with a lot of doctors because, um, for example, if we were to work with a chiropractor, it's so easy because a lot of our grief, we carry it on our shoulders or on, like in our back. We feel all of that pain. Uh, when you go to your dentist, um, we also tend to like, bear down our teeth. And as I mean, I I don't know if you can see, but I kind of chipped my teeth because I was stressed. Uh, I was stressed. Like, I don't know what, what do you call it? But I was just stressing out and my teeth were were getting affected. Um, And you know, when you, when you go to, when you go to your nutritionist, it's the same thing. We're, we're so reliant on, on what we put in, in our, in our bodies through our food, but we don't, re- that we don't realize that our stress that we, that we keep within ourselves is also affecting our nutrition. Uh, so, you know, grief is, is pretty big <laughs> in our yeah,
0: lives. <laughs> I say Like, I think if if I now it makes me think uh, I look at grief differently. Maybe I was grieving for something throughout my whole drinking period. Maybe I was grieving over something, and I was I, I was trying to trying to think what I would be grieving about. Maybe grieving that my childhood was lost from like sexual abuse. Who knows? Like something was going on because I also am a, a teeth grinder. I do have a mouth guard, <laughs> so I, I know what you mean by that. I, um, like I said, I have a lot of tension in my shoulders and neck could be from multiple car accidents, (laughs) my reckless lifestyle before, but there are different ways to cope. And that's, this is where you come in, (laughs) you know, can you share, uh, with the audience, what is the process you take your clients through in order for them to, first off, admit that they are grieving and then how to then overcome and you know, feel better about what they have gone through and accept it?
1: Of course. Yeah. So it's, it's actually, um, really interesting because first we have to understand that, um, that clients don't actually come to me unless they're, they're ready to let go of their grief. Um, I walk them through the process of understanding what grief truly is um, and all the misconceptions behind grief. Um, and then I walk them through um, understanding how to how to handle grief and we have a step by step action process of of you know, first going through your timeline, your life, your life's timeline of all your positive um, experiences and all your negative experiences. And we make that comparison of um of your negative experiences and how it's affecting uh how long it's been affecting your life um so for example for me i was um i was in a very rough relationship when i was younger and that just stayed with me for 20 years uh or over 20 years and i didn't realize that that was the the very first cause of my eating disorder so So I completely, uh, created this blind spot about it. And that's something I share with my clients. Um, you know, and, and we go through, we go through the steps of, of analyzing everything, um, putting words and, and actual emotions behind those those situations. And we, we talk everything through and we finally say our goodbyes, uh, to those pains in our lives before we find peace and inner peace.
0: Yes. I've heard of uh, people like writing a letter uh, and then either burning it or they would bury it in the ground as like a form of saying like, goodbye, you know, I'm done. I'm ready to move on to to the next chapter in my life.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever heard of anything like
0: that? I've had some people tell me some funny things and I'm like, you know, that sounds like a great idea. I wish I would have done things like that. <laughs> Little tricks <Yes>. and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, that actually that is one of the things that um that we do. However, it's it's one of the final final action pieces we do because there are so many other steps that we have to go through. Um, but yes, actually writing out the letter no matter how long it is and reading it out loud. Not to not to anyone outside of you know our circle of trust um but making sure that you have everything on paper make sure that you have all of your emotions um said uh and finally saying goodbye to that and you know as you said so many people might burn their letters there are other people who who find other ways to to you know let go of of those letters themselves
0: Wow! Yes, I need to share this information also to like my mom because she's been grieving a lot lately, and I don't know how to console her or like to comfort her. And a lot of times when people say, "Oh, I've lost uh, a mom," you know, I lost my father when I was a baby. I would mm-hmm. I, so I have no recollection, no memory of like him at all. I have photos, <laughs> but there's no emotional connection. Now for someone like me, it's very hard for me to you can probably hear my cat me out in the background. He's funny. His name is Ben. <laughs> anyway, it's very hard for me to comfort anyone who is grieving. What is something that uh you would tell me to do to comfort like my mom or like a friend that's lost a, like close someone close to them? Because I've never lost anyone close, just one best friend and that and that's it. Not like a parent, not oh, God forbid, not a child, you know, I think that you, I don't know, I don't think I can manage losing a child, and so I, I I don't know how to show empathy, what is, what, what are some ways that people can show empathy when they've never really experienced grief for themselves?
1: So, you know, that's, that's actually really common, and it's, it's first understanding that, one, we can never understand uh, the situation uh, that a griever is in, because of course, we're all, um, we're all different minded people. And uh, two, we want to, we want to definitely reach out to their heart. What we do as outsiders is we, we usually um, try to provide comfort to the mind, which is say, which we usually say things along the lines of, you know, oh, it's going to be okay, or oh, give yourself some time. Those are all mind comforting um sentences or or reactions to get what we want to do is we want to let them know that one uh they're not alone two that they are loved and three that we're there for them uh whenever they're ready to talk it all out um now when it comes to so for example with your mom or even even for example, with you, um, what I would say to you is, you know, I, I can't imagine what you went through when you lost your best friend. Um, I, you know, I just want you to know that you are so, so loved. And um, whenever you are ready to talk about it, whenever you are ready to embrace um, the love, and any comfort that I can give you, I'm here.
0: I love that. Yes. It's like you know, I cann't imagine I can't imagine what you're going through, but know that I'm here, I you're loved, and whenever you are ready to talk about it, I'll I'm I'm I have listening ears. And nice arms to give a hug too, right? <laughs> Everyone needs a yeah. hug here and there. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah, because it's so hard when people say, Oh, I've lost my mom and or lost and like I sometimes I lose words. I'm like, I don't know what to say, but thank you so much for clarifying. Now I know exactly what to say. And it really does come from the heart because I really want to be genuine. And I really want to let them know that, Hey, if they are wanting to talk, I I am here. (laughs) I am here. Yeah. So I really love that. And I wrote that down too. (laughs) That was really good. Yeah. So this is so good because like I told you before, a lot of people are losing loved ones. I don't know if it's the time, you know, uh, if especially probably after COVID, you know, everyone who's gotten it, who are maybe older, or unfortunately they they pass. And I know so many people, and everyone's coming to me like, "Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do," <laughs> but yes, now I know what to do. Now, with children, now you you don't work with children, right?
1: I am not. I am not qualified to work with children, but I do educate um, any any caregivers, parents, um, helping them work with with their kids um, or or their younger loved ones. Yeah,
0: that's great. Because I was thinking about children. I said, you know, if they lose their mom at a young age, or their parents, like I can only. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what, what they would must be going through. And and I'll tell you a little story. That's what decide, made me decide to not drink anymore is because I thought about my children. I was like, Oh my goodness, I have a decision here to make. The doctor says, if I keep on drinking like this, I'm going to die within 10 years. That means my kids who were very young at the, at that time, my one was not even like one, one and a half years old. And the other one was like in fifth grade. It's like, they won't have a mother anymore, and you only have one mother biologically. You know, it's like yeah. you only have one mother, and so it crushed my heart. And so I really had to make that decision because I couldn't imagine if when children lose their their parents, that's just nuts. Yeah. Is there anything yeah. else you like to share um, as far as what what else you do? I mean, you're I can't believe you're a construction worker. <laughs> Can you share about that? <laughs> just you first, spoke or you were sharing that you were doing construction work. I said, "Did you wear a hard hat and everything in those orange vest?" Um, <laughs> it
1: was it was actually really funny because i I was working for um, an ex boyfriend's okay. I was working for my my boyfriend at the time's family, um, and uh, they needed someone to work in their office, so I. Came on to work as an office manager, and it turned out they they were uh, lacking hands out on the field. So I would go out out like I would go out on the field, help them demolish uh, their different structures, and then kind of help them uh, install different structures. And it was very different. Um, I, I didn't realize how uh, difficult uh, the industry is and how differently we're being a woman how we're seeing um so it it wasn't something that I would say was one of my best experiences but it was definitely a humbling experience
0: yeah that is so cool I know you did everything and then you're like you know what I'm just gonna be a life coach (laughs) this is my calling (laughs) I wanted to actually go back a little bit and ask you what was your breaking point when you were experiencing the depression, the anxiety and, um, not, not eating, what was your breaking point where you said, you know what? I want to change.
1: Um, to be honest, my, my biggest breaking point was I was living with, um, a previous partner and, um, his family is very, very extroverted. Like, they are like the party family, and I used to be like that. And I found myself just finding myself just hiding in the bedroom all the time, every day, all the time, uh, not wanting to eat, not wanting to like, uh, not wanting to interact with them. And they're such a lovely family, and I realized there has to be something wrong with me. And okay, I have to say this, there is nothing wrong with us. It's just, uh, we're going, I was just going through um, a growth phase and that's what we, we have to remind ourselves is we all go through growth phases. But of course in that moment, I was just thinking, man, there is something wrong with me. Um, and it was because I was in such a low place in life. I, I, felt like I was spreading my, my depression to my partner and I was not being a good, I was not being a good person to be around. Um, so we, we went our separate ways and I realized if I want to find happiness, um, I can't find it in someone else. I have to find it within myself. And, um, my biggest, my biggest, turning point was when I when I said okay I'm going to make a change and to make that change I'm going to commit myself to it and I committed I committed uh to it by getting a tattoo um and my tattoo is actually a quote um on my on my arm that says rise in love um and it's because we always we always hear the quote fall in love uh we fall into whatever relationship whether that's with a significant other with um, your siblings with a friend with your parents you know whoever we fall in love because we want to you know, we want to be immersed in their presence and uh, we want to give and give and give and we completely forget that we have to grow as individuals before we can grow within that partnership and so, I decided to completely eliminate that quote from my life and say, and tattooed rise in love to remind myself that first I have to grow as an individual before I can um, I can find myself in any type of partnership where I can continuously grow with that partner.
0: Makes total sense. Yes. Rise in love. I love it because we're all evolving We are all evolving and we want to make sure that we love ourselves. It sounds like a cliche saying, right? You're going to love yourself before you love anybody else, but it is true, right? (laughs) We do have to love ourselves and I'm not saying it in an arrogant way, but we have to love who we're becoming because who we're becoming is so much more. And you may have heard this on other podcasts, but if once people find out who they truly, truly are, that's game game over like this world like i'm telling you game over we literally have control of our reality and when we're evolving i think we see that more and more and more and it's so fascinating to me because i'm seeing so many people just rising up rising up rising up so yes rising up and they're and they're being so much more loving they're serving because they love themselves because that's why they're growing yeah. if you love yourself you're going to grow and when you grow you're going to shine and when you shine you're going to shine on everybody else and it's like a domino effect it's just that love vibration gets like out there <laughs> Yeah, I'm all about like love and shine and sparkles and whatever <laughs> if I had a little disco ball I probably have one behind me <laughs> a little shiny disco ball but this is my husband's office so yeah I don't think he'd like that too Oh my goodness. Anyways, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience or where they can follow you?
1: Yeah. So, um, you're, you know, you guys can, can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is mindful presence. Uh, that's two L's in the full presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Um, it's the same on Pinterest. It's the same on Facebook And I do have a website. If you guys want to work with me, um, it's mindfulpresence.com. And you can find uh, different ways to work with me there.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And I will have that in the show notes for you. And it's been a pleasure, Celeste. Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Of course. Thank you. Of
0: course. You're loving what you're hearing go ahead and check out the links in the show notes and if you're aligned to leave a five-star
1: review thank you